He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. And we are so precious, I mean, we are so honored and privileged to have this woman of God in our midst. Um, uh, she's a called woman. She's a called woman. She is a called woman. I met her through her husband a few years back. And the first time I saw her, I couldn't help noticing that she was a true Christian. In her action, in the way she did things, in the way she just carried herself. And I said, Lord, so there are still such women in Africa that are hot for Jesus. And they are living it out, you know, with their daily activities. One thing about this woman is that she looks simple, but she's loaded. She's loaded. What you see is not what you get. Because looks can deceive. Very simple in appearance but loaded in the spirit. Let's appreciate God for that. Her husband and herself are doing great work, not just in Africa, but all over the globe. All over the globe. I'm just painting this picture so that you'll understand who this woman is that is coming to minister to us. As of today, I'm sure even the figures may already be wrong, but as of today, Lighthouse Chapel International Group of Churches with the headquarters in Ghana where the husband and herself are the presiding bishops, is, I mean, there are more than 1,200 branches all over the world. Please help me to appreciate them. She's a woman of so many parts. She runs the orphanage in their church in Accra, Ghana. She does pastoral care, counsels people. She runs their mission school. She reaches out to the widows. She has a passion for pastors, wives, and women in ministry. Please let me appreciate God. And every year, God uses her to bless different of their parishes all over the world, as many as God gives the grace. And the name of the women convention she holds in different cities all over the world is Daughter, You Can Make It. Tell your neighbor you can make it. She's so passionate about the things of, of God. And each time, I mean, we hear testimonies of what God is doing. When I wanted to invite her, but I was, well, I didn't know how to say it till I plucked her boldness. 
last year when I invited her and she said she will see. And I said, Lord, she will not just see, but she will come. And finally, she has come here all the way from Accra, Ghana. She is a lawyer by profession, but she put it aside that she may bring justice of the word of God to the, to the last, the least, the lost, to the rich, the learned, the high, and the mighty, the literate, and the illiterate. God is seizing her all over the world. So we are so honored to have her here. We are so honored to have you, ma'am. So honored. She came with some of her ladies. Can you shout hallelujah? You will see more of them in action. But it's truly a great honor. With Jesus joy, woman on a mission joy, royal connection joy, pastor Shaloludoyi joy, we want to appreciate and welcome Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. We appreciate you, man. Spirit, you are the teacher, you are the guide, you are the counselor. I yield myself to you this evening, Lord. Let your will be done. Let it not be the will of any man, nor of any woman. But let the Spirit of God take preeminence in this place. I come against any high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. I pull down everything that resists the word of God and its free entrance. And I ask, O oh God, for your unction and your anointing, for the speaker and for your people. I plead that this word will fall on good soil. I plead that this word will not be snatched away by the enemy. And I ask that lives will truly be transformed. Holy Spirit, I yield myself to you. Cleanse this vessel and use this, these lips of clay. For we have this treasure in nothing vessels, O oh God, that the excellency of the power might be of you and not of us. Thank you that the name of the Father will be glorified. The name of Jesus will be lifted up. And the word of God, which can never be broken, will be established. Thank you for answering prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Please be seated. That was a super royal connections. Uh, uh, your signature tune. Or... I'm impressed already. God bless you. I bring you greetings from the most handsome man on earth. <laughs> His name is Bishop Dagwood Mills. Amen. And we are privileged to have known your pastor and his wife for some years now. And they have been very faithful in coming to our church, in ministering in the church. Almost every year since the Iron Sharpness Iron Ministers Conference began. And 
I believe that they are wonderful people. I can see that they have a genuine passion for God. And I pray that you will look after them well. Otherwise, we are coming for them to Ghana. We don't have a problem. So if you have a problem, then we will come for them. But I know that you take good care of the treasure that God has given you. So, Reverend and Mrs., we salute you. Thank you for your good work. Thank you for obeying the call of God. Amen. I also came with some ladies from Ghana, first of all. My two able assistants. I don't know where the other one is. She's expecting a baby. Are you here? Okay. So please stand up and let's appreciate you. Lady Pastor Bridget Marion and Lady Pastor Shirley. And then my ladies from the UK. And from the States. God bless you. Thank you for coming to support me. Amen. You have to promise that you will behave. This evening. Amen. And last but the greatest, I want to give thanks to God. Shall we appreciate Almighty God? He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's seen from the circle of the earth. He's unparalleled. Give Him praise. He's Jesus. Give Him praise. Hallelujah. Well, I'm excited about your theme. At your Women with a Mission Conference. Amen. Your theme is that many are called. And how true it is. That many are called. But not many answer the call. Amen. And I'm happy that Pastor David Shola Oludui has been gracious to give us a time in the calendar as women where we can come together and find God's purpose for our lives and rediscover what maybe we have lost and push on into the things of God. Amen. Amen. Women are very special species. When God created everything, he said God created the light and he saw that it was good. He created the fish and he saw that it was good. But when he created man, only one thing that was not good, <laughs> that he was alone. And we didn't offer ourselves as a solution to the problem. It's God who said, this is your problem, I have a solution for it. And he put man to sleep. They say that that's why sometimes the brothers don't understand us. They were asleep when God was making us. Anyway, so God put them to sleep and God made you and I. Now man is made directly from the soil. Brothers, Amen. But we are made from the side of man. So we are high tech. Do you understand? We have some finesse that we didn't make. We were made from the side of man, not straight from the soil. And God admonishes the brothers. He says that dwell with them according to knowledge. He didn't say that to us about the men. But he said that to the men about us. Because we are high tech, you have to read the manual. You have to go to the school of womanology to understand us. And many brothers are refusing to study us. 
So they just say, oh, they are complex. I can't understand them. Whatever. We are not complex. We are just high tech. And God says, dwell with us. He didn't say, go out and say, what complicated thing is this? Dwell with us, but according to knowledge. And knowledge is something that has to be acquired. Knowledge doesn't fall from the sky, brothers. It has to be acquired. Amen. Amen. So I'm praying that, and I'm excited about the fact that the brothers are here with us. It's the same in our church also. And I'm praying that as we go along, God will add to your knowledge. Because, you know, when you don't have knowledge, you think that a woman is a problem. And they say that fear woman and live long. But if the woman in the Bible did not obey God's call, we would not even have a savior. Amen. So brothers, in these times, till it ends on Sunday, may the Lord drop something into your spirit so that you will know how to relate to us. Amen. Every woman has what I call influence. And most of the time, the weapons or the articles or whatever we have to use does not seem very powerful, but it is. You see, when a man wants to rule the world, he's likely to go to war, make scarred missiles, AK-47s, and fight to overcome. But when a woman wants to rule the world, she gives her husband an apple. And an apple is something that you can find anywhere in the grocery shop. It looks so... Some people say it wasn't an apple, but it was a fruit. Whatever it was, it was a fruit. And the law had been given to Adam that don't eat this fruit. But the Bible says that Eve just gave to her husband and he did eat. No, asking no questions. Can you imagine? And so just through the serving of an apple, we are able to rule the world. What did Delilah have? A pair of laps. That's all. You see, people will now be planning, sending army generals. Delilah said, oh, <laughs> leave something to me. So what do you have? said, so just a pair of laps. That's all. And when Samson sleeps in that pair of laps, he doesn't think anymore. How can you be deceived? Three times. You come close, and then she says, Samson, the Philistines are on you. And then you get up and you shake yourself, and still you don't learn. That is the power and influence of a woman. You see, Samson carried the gates of Gaza. He killed so many Philistines and all that. We, we don't do all those things. We don't have muscle. We have curves and softness. But that alone is a weapon. And it can be used for good or for bad. Amen. Amen. The woman at the well, what did, you, what did she have? She just had herself. But when Jesus ministered to her, the Bible says that she went back to the city and she brought all the men of the city. One woman changed within seconds. She had the greatest evangelistic meeting you could ever think about. Lady Reverend, why are you saying all these things? I'm saying it to say that there's something in every woman called influence that God gives you. The Bible says that by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, not a loaf. 
But a peace, a man. By means of a warish woman. And a piece of bread, when you do this, it crumbles. And that's what a warish woman can do. And so a woman has influence and she can choose whether to use it for good or for bad. What did Mary have? Like the women we saw here, the presentations have been so beautiful and I felt that we should close and go because the message has already gone across. Amen. Mary had her virginity. And God said, this is what I would like to use. Amen. I don't think that ever crossed her mind that this life that I'm living, this lifestyle, God will use it to bring a savior to the world. I don't think she thought so. But God chooses what he wants to use. Amen. And Jesus was not born by a man and a woman. It was a woman and the Holy Ghost. Women, with you and the Holy Ghost, you can change the world. You and the Holy Ghost are enough. You and the Holy Ghost can move forward. But every time we want to look at something, who is coming with me? Oh, I'm a single woman. Oh, nobody has proposed to me before. But you and the Holy Ghost can bring about God's purpose for calling you. Amen. Amen. And so I want to encourage every woman that from today, don't look down on yourself. But use whatever God has given you for his glory. Amen. Amen. Now the Bible says that many are called. Isn't it? And many means that not a few. Many means a large number. And many means majority. Amen? Amen. Many, 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 many people are called. The Bible says... In a large house, there are various different vessels. Amen? So God needs different vessels that he can use. But many times, we have the notion that few are called in the church. So if it comes to paying tithe, the American Research Group says that only 20% of most churches, church members are very faithful. So those 20% carry the load of the 80 or the 100. Amen? Many are called, but when we ask for help, or we want to do evangelism, or there's a vision on the pastor's heart he wants to accomplish, or God wants to accomplish something in the earth, not many of us respond. Amen? And why don't we respond to God's call? A call is being called out. When they say, Adelaide, then you turn because your name has been mentioned. And that is how God calls you and I. He calls, but some of us say, wait. Some of us say, later. Some of us decide, we haven't heard. And some of us decide, I don't like this call, I like the other one. Sometimes your calling in the church may be to be a faithful intercessor. You say, I don't like that one. I like the one that you are seeing. Ask the people who are seen on television whether it's easy. Because exposure has its own territory that comes with it. Amen. Amen. Now, there's a certain characteristic of called people. You know, when you are applying for a job or you go for a job interview, you are supposed to have certain qualifications. So they'll say, we are looking for 
somebody who is a good team player. We are looking for somebody who has experience with children. We are looking for somebody who has experience in this field or has a minimum qualification of this. And then you know that you qualify for it. Now, this evening, I want to speak to you. I'll be speaking on different things, but this evening in particular, I want to speak to you about the characteristics of people God calls. The characteristics of people God calls. Amen. Hmm. First of all, God calls failures. Yes, you heard right. God calls failures. Exodus chapter 3 verse 11. Exodus chapter 3 verse 11. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? This is Moses. God called him. And many times when God has called people in the Bible, they behave as if God is not the one who created them, so he doesn't know their problems. So we begin to tell him, 75 reasons why we are not the ones. Amen? Amen. And Moses had failed before. He was a child of destiny. He had been delivered from the river. He had been kept and he had been nurtured in Pharaoh's palace. And once he went out and he saw people fighting. He saw an Egyptian and an Israelite fighting. And he went to help the Israelite and he finished the Egyptian off. And then, the next time, he saw two Israelites fighting. And he went to try and separate them. One said, who called you? You think the other day, we didn't see you. And the Bible says, as soon as that was said, Moses took flight. He took the last flight or the next available flight out of Egypt into the wilderness. Now, one of the things that the person fighting asked him was, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Who? By what authority are you coming to separate us and say we should do this, whatever, whatever? So, even amongst two people, if Moses was told from childhood that God has called you to be a deliverer, amongst two Israelites, he had failed. Just two. Now, if you have failed with two, who will entrust to you a thousand or ten thousand or seventeen thousand or one million? You failed. Amen? But God calls failures. Hallelujah. 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 If you are not prepared to fail, you will never respond to God's call. Because even a toddler, before you start to walk, you fall many times. I mean, innocently, not falling even into sin, but you just fail. Do you see? Sometimes God has called you to sing. The first day you sing, we just hear shrieking. We don't hear singing. And because you fail, you say, God has not called me. That's it. So God calls people who have failed already. And the reason he does that is so that we will come to the end of ourselves. Because Moses thought that, oh, this is my call. I'll just manifest it. But when it failed, he went to the backside of the desert for 40 years. 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years thinking that God's plan for you is over. God's plan for you cannot work. The Bible says that for you see your calling, brethren, not many noble, not many wise, 
Not many great people, not many mighty are called by God. God calls failures. The world does not call failures. If you take your CV and you failed, they are likely not to pick you. And so when you were on this job, you failed. When you were in class, you failed. When you were in this, you didn't do well. But God calls failures. Amen. Amen. And another thing that Moses said was that, who am I? Exodus chapter 3. Is it on the screen? Yeah, he said, who am I? that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. God calls unworthy people. God calls unworthy people. Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? If we examine ourselves honestly, we will realize how unworthy we are. It will be our ability to overcome this sense of unworthiness that will release us into ministry. The feelings of unworthiness keep us from obeying our call. We all know we are unworthy. If we hold back from obeying God because of our unworthiness, we would have become the biggest fools on earth. Amen. Amen. Who am I? Who am I? What's my track record? Apart from being a failure, you are unworthy. And who am I? What's my standing? I have been stripped of everything keenly. How do I now go and negotiate with Pharaoh? Who am I? Lord, when you are calling, call people who have worked for the UN before. Call dignitaries who are specialized in the gift of negotiation, negotiation skills. Do you understand? Call people who... Who do alternative dispute resolution? You understand? Call such people. But me, who am I? Who am I? And many of us feel unworthy, even as women. Sometimes we feel unworthy because of our past. One day I went to preach at a place. By the grace of God, it's just the grace of God, I married my first beloved. So I went to a church to preach. And after preaching, a lady came to me and said, um, did you go to such and such school in Ghana? I said, yes, I did. Oh, on my way here this morning, a guy called uh, Aturi Hayes. He said, I should say hello to you. I was standing with pastors. And I said, Aturi Hayes. And he says he knows me. So, yes, he was your boyfriend. He was your boyfriend. I said, Arturi Hayes. And the lady was like, are you trying to deny it? She didn't say, you know, but she was. And then I could see that the pastors around me, they were not from my church. They looked a bit embarrassed, so they turned, you know. And I said, Arturi Hayes, he knows me. So, Yes. He said he went out with you for some years and all that. But I didn't want to argue. So I just said, Aturi Hayes, I, I, I knew a nickname like that. But anyway, by the grace of God, I married my first beloved. Yeah. So why was he saying that? She said it publicly. And when I got home, I was telling my husband, he said, you see, if I didn't know the things in the closets, and I was walking with you, I would now be saying that, who is this Aturi Hayes? 
But one thing she added was that, oh, I told her two years I was coming here and uh, today you have preached so powerfully. <laughs> I- I'm-, I'm sure that he will be surprised. That's what she said. <laughs> Amen. So sometimes you look at your background. At two rehearsals and things will be coming to remind you. Are you now saying you are a lady pastor? You are not worthy. Amen. And we forget that we have been washed. That we have been cleansed. That we have been redeemed. And then we just look at it and say, I can't come out publicly anymore. I'm not worthy. How can I preach? You know, sometimes people see you and say, hey. It's all also among the prophets. This one. I know her very well. So these feelings of unworthiness make us go back. And usually with women. You know, I often ask that the woman caught in adultery. She did it with a man. But the person who was brought to Jesus was the woman. I thought it took two to tango. Amen. But they said we caught her in the act. And we have brought her. But the man who was also in the act, they didn't bring. That is usually the stigma that a woman lives with. And when she's preaching, they'll say, ah, I was number 15 on your list. How come now you say you preach the gospel? But it is because you have come to taste of the saving grace of Jesus. Because you know his mercy. And so you don't have to let that deter you. The Bible says all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But man does not want all things to pass away. Can't you see in the Bible, the woman with the issue of blood, she was healed, but you are still called the woman with the issue of blood. The prodigal son, he returned, but you are still called the prodigal son. Blind Bartimaeus, he received his sight, but you are still called blind Bartimaeus. But you must ask yourself, what does God say about you? Hallelujah. I always say that if you look at the life of John the Baptist, so many powerful prophecies had gone on about him. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. He will lead many to repentance. He will go as a forerunner before Jesus and all that. And yet, when he came on the scene, he was asked that, so who are you? Who really? So some of us have received prophecies about our lives. But then when the questions come, then we say, I'm unworthy. Who who am I? Who am I? They are are greater women of God. They are greater men of God. Who am I that God will call me? But everybody has a place in the vegetable patch of God. And everybody has to cultivate their bit. And uh, Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? I mean, when you are talking about people that God can call, please, Lady Reverend, don't add my name. God calls people who have been rejected. Amen. Exodus chapter 2, verse 12 to 14. Amen. Exodus chapter 2. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews drove together, like the story I said. And he said to him, that did the wrong. Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? 
And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. Many of us are saying in our lives, surely this thing is known. Surely this thing that I missed is known. Surely this life I led is known. Surely my weaknesses are known. God cannot use me, but God can use you. And Moses had already been rejected. Most of the time, in the area where God will call you, that is where you will experience the most rejection. In the area that God wants to work with you, that is where you will encounter a lot of questionings and doubts and, and things will be thrown up. It is, it is the way of the enemy. Because Moses was called to be a ruler and a judge. And then Satan immediately, before you even set out, he puts a question mark. Who made you? Who called you? Who said it is your calling? Who said that's what you are supposed to do? Who made you a ruler and a judge? If they had said, who made you a prince over us? It would have been okay. Who made you to be in Pharaoh's palace? It's okay. But when it is the place where God is calling you to, the enemy hits hardest on that part. And then you say, it can't be. The persecutions are too many. The rejection is too much. It cannot be that. Unless you experience rejection, you will not experience acceptance. Amen? The Bible says we are accepted in the beloved. But many times we are looking for acceptance from men. When my husband first started in the ministry, there were big preachers in Ghana and they preached that God does not use professionals. He does not. And we went to invite one pastor from a big church. We were a small church. He started the church as a student, a medical student. So we went to call this pastor. Please come and preach to us. He said, I don't sow among thorns. He said, when God calls you, if you are a preacher, you are a preacher. But not that you are a doctor or a would-be doctor and then you are sort of uh, uh, dabbling in the ministry. God can never use anybody like that. The rejection he went and, and the people had strong voices. They were mature in the ministry and we were small now coming up. The church virtually got finished. I myself once took a taxi to go for a prayer meeting at the medical school where they were. And when I sat in the taxi, I met a wife of one of the big men. She was two years ahead of me in school. So when I got to the junction, I told the driver, I said, I'll be getting down at the junction. Oh, you're getting down there. What are you going to do? I said, oh, I'm going for a prayer meeting. Ah, where? And I said, oh, a church. I didn't say it was my beloved. I said, a church. Eh, that man, is he called of God? Do you think God will use him? Do you think he has a future? I said, he's very anointed. God has called him. And I believe that he has a future. But it wasn't easy. He went through so much rejection that every Saturday night, my husband would get a running stomach. I wasn't living with him, but I'll come on Sunday. He would tell me, he asked me, is this going to be my life for the rest of my life? Am I going to be nervous all the time and have running stomach every Saturday night? Once I went back to where my parents were, when I came back, he said to me, you know, I got so depressed 
One Saturday night, as I lay on my bed, I saw the fan going round like this. And something said to me, why don't you just hang yourself? Just to obey God. The rejection was so much. But you just have to keep on. And with time. With time. And with obedience and humility. God will bring you to that place. But we became so unsure of ourselves. But that's the candidate God is looking for. He's not looking for people who are sure of themselves. He's looking for people who are not sure and need him desperately. Those are the people that God uses. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? What do I have? And then after that, they ask you, who made you? You, you? Since when did you also begin to move in such circles? Who made you? A ruler and a judge over God's people. But that's exactly what God has made you. Jesus Christ himself experienced a lot of rejection. Amen. The Bible says he came unto his own. And his own received him not. He thought that as they know him, as he's their kith and king, they will really relate to him. But when he came, said, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, you see, what other people rejected worked for our good as Gentiles. And we were also allowed and able to receive Christ and to be counted in the number. Amen. If rejection is going to snuff out your ministry, then forget it. It's now. Satan will use every weapon that he can use. God uses the unbelievable. People you can't believe. They look. Exodus chapter 4 verse 1. God uses the unbelievable. Moses said, if I go, they will not believe me. They will not believe me. And Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me. Nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, the Lord has not appeared unto thee. Some of us, we don't even evangelize because we will not be believed. But sometimes you just have to speak the word and leave the rest to God. Because when God is judging, he's going to judge by what you heard. Did anybody come to you to tell you about Christ? Did you believe? Moses said, when I go, they will not believe me. I'm certain about that. Nor will they hearken unto my voice, for they will say, the Lord has not appeared to you. God has not called you. You have called yourself. So far as we are concerned, you have called yourself. Amen. Are there times when we think that nobody will listen to you? I'm not worth listening to. I'm not worth anybody paying attention to. You know, our motives are tried in all these things. When we are rejected, when people don't believe us, what is our heart? If your heart is really to obey God, you will press on. But if your heart is to be seen by men or just to fulfill your own personal ambition, it will also be seen. You only know what is in an orange when it is squeezed. When you go through pressure, then we see what is inside you. But for now, everything is okay. You see, when you are in a church and nobody has stepped on your toes or squeezed you, you look very sanctimonious. You look like the right sister for the moment. 
And we all think you are the greatest thing. But when we squeeze you a little and you say, I'm leaving, that we get to know what is really inside you. God uses people who are unbelievable. But it is God who confirms his word in us so that we will be believed. Amen. God uses people who are not eloquent. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 6. God uses people who are not eloquent. God uses people who are not eloquent. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a child. And let me link up with that, with the fact that God calls you when you are young. God calls you when you are young. Amen. We think that, you know, in the world when you want to be a speaker, sometimes you can get um, a consultant who will teach you that these are the, the, the ways to speak. When you speak, you should say a few sentences, then you rest a bit before you say the next one. And your, your mannerism should be this way. And this is how to engage your audience. And this is how to... Now when you come into the house of God, say, I can't speak. My husband was a kind who did not want to speak and could not speak. I always tell him, when I met him in the university, he used to hold Bible studies and he was this very cool speaking brother. Okay, so this evening, we're going to learn about the new creation. Now turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. The God of peace sanctify you in spirit, soul, and in body. So we learn from this, a man is a spirit. He has a soul. He lives in a body. So when I saw it, I said, ah, this man is very cool. I can rule him. Amen. I said, everything I tell him, he will do. The way he looks cool, everything I tell him, he will do. And he also has very small lips. I said, what big thing can such small lips say? So, as we have gone on in years, and I hear him preaching, what a shock. I said, said, you are not the person I met in the University of Ghana. He says, really, why? I said, you were so cool. You know, he was shy. He didn't like to come into public to speak. He was a shy person. And he used to always pray, oh God, Help me to be able to stand before people. Help me to be able not to be shy. Now the things he says, there's no shyness whatsoever. And he belonged, we belonged to a group. He went to the president and he said, please pray for me that I'll have courage, that I'll be able to speak. So I, I said to him that now, your tongue is so loose. Hey! You are more than Zachariah. So you may not be able to speak now, but it is the anointing, it is the unction, it is the grace of God that transforms us and makes us what God wants us to be. Amen. And God can call you when you are young. My husband always says that, why is it that people don't answer God's call till they are retired in the world? Then they say, I want to volunteer in the church. 
Why is that? God also wants young, able-bodied young men and women. Amen. He deserves it. It's not that when now you are bent, you can't do much. It's okay. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. But we should learn to give our youthfulness, our strength, the best of our years to serve God. What better employer is there than God? This your employer, when he's even laying you off, he doesn't even inform you. And yet you work with all your heart. And then when it comes to the things of God, you'll be dragging your feet and behaving some way. The Lord have mercy on you. Samuel was called as a child. And when he was called, he didn't know God's voice. It took a senior minister to say that that's God. That's God. So when he calls you, say, Master, speak. Thy servant heareth. And then as he grew up, he got to a place where he could hear God. And God could say, no, 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 no. It's not any of these I've called. It's David that I've called. He's in the, in the wilderness. Go and get him. He could hear God on his own. But it started from childhood. And with you and I, our call will start from somewhere. And you will need people to direct you. Say, no, not here, there. But some of us already, you see, in life, you do general subjects before you specialize. But in the church, when you come, you say, I'm a soloist. Me, I don't sing with the choir. I sing alone. When we say, oh, join the choir and let's see how you go. No, I am called to be a soloist. The best I can do is duets. Any more than that, it's not my calling. I already know my calling. Those who are so confident of their calling are usually in error. Because you have to serve in the church anything they ask you to do. Before the apostles became apostles, they had collected fragments of bread. My husband says that the only job that starts from the top is grave digging and well digging. There's no job like that. But some of us, when we come to the church, we want to start from the top. And when you start from the top, you are just digging a grave or a well. There's no other job that starts from the top. Amen. Amen. So when we come to the house of God, let us just humble ourselves, whatever we are asked to do. When they say, Peter, go and arrange the upper room. So look, I want to be doing signs and wonders. I want my shadow to fall on people and they will be healed. I mean, it's not now that I'm going to look for a camel and a donkey for people to be sitting on. And then I'll go and then a man will have a picture on his shoulder. I say, the master said, I should come and prepare the place where we'll have a banquet. Is that ministry? Is that calling? Is that giftings, lady reverend? But you have to start from wherever the master calls you to. Because it is all part of our preparation in answering to the call of God. Amen, somebody. So God calls you when you are young. I am privileged to have been called by God at a young age. From the age of nine, I had a dynamic Sunday school teacher. We used to call him Teacher Yamwa. And he told me, he gave me scripts. He said, learn this by rote. So I'll learn it. I even remember up to today. One day Jesus was walking and then somebody will interpret. He saw a fig tree. The person will interpret. He said to the fig tree, you, you, you will never bear fruit again. And then when he gave me the script, he told me that I should walk in the crowd at the age of nine. So I would walk in the crowd. So when I get to, I say, you, you, you will never bear fruit again. <laughs> then my friend will also interpret. He took us to the marketplaces. 
He took us to every university in Ghana. He took us to secondary schools. He took us to television to preach the gospel. And he kept telling me, God has called you. From the age of nine, God has called you. So I always say that I tried to be a guy. It didn't work. People were taking boyfriends. I tried. It didn't work. The seed that was planted was there. So when you are called by God from a young age, a lot of foolishness escapes you. Amen? And you don't sit and, and, and sing wasted years. So the young ladies amongst us, this is the time to give your giftings, your callings, your energy, and your all, your drive to the master. Amen. Ask yourself, when Jesus comes into your life, what inconvenience does he make? What inconvenience? He saves you from that foolish boy. He was foolish from the time his mother had him. Only you are now going to discover it. Amen? He saves you from the fear of unwanted pregnancies. He saves you from diseases that are incurable. He saves you from unnecessary heartache. Some of you, when you see the type of boys you wept over, you feel so sorry for yourself. Ah! This. So when God calls you at an early age and you answer, and you are devoted, you are doing yourself a favor, not God. Amen. Hmm. God calls people who are fearful. <laughs> Amen. Jeremiah 1 verse 8. God calls people who are fearful. Be not afraid of their faces. For I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Amen. There's much to be afraid of when God calls you. When God called me into full-time ministry, I was afraid. I had worked as a lay pastor in the church for a long time. I didn't know that secretly I saw myself as an insurance policy for my husband. That if something didn't go right, at least I worked in the secular world and I would be able to uh, um, indemnify him from whichever loss he would incur. I knew that God had called me. My Sunday school teacher had told me. But as to the time when I was to come into full-time ministry, I wasn't sure. But then when God called me and said, I think you should be rounding up your legal work now to come into full-time ministry. I loved the ministry, and I really wanted to be in the ministry. But my fear was what people would say. So I said, Lord, you are not the problem. It's the people. <laughs> my husband would now sometimes stand in the church and say, okay, we are taking offering. Some of you, you are wondering whether my suit is from the offering. And then he would say, it is, and I will just die. Oh, God. Why should he say this? And that was my main problem. That I would live off offerings. No. Surely there must be a more reputable, noble way of living. Than to expect people to give to the work of God. And then from there. And my father-in-law was very upset. That his only son that he knew was going to be a doctor 
now says that he's going to go into full-time ministry. My father-in-law used to call me at dawn every day. What do you say about what your husband is doing? I said, Daddy, he, he believes that God has called him, so I have to support him. Have you thought about your future? <laughs> do you think my son, that's what he used to say, my only son should live off an offering bowl? Do you think so? I said, Daddy, I don't think so. He said, have you thought about how you look after your children? Because we had just gotten married a year after. I said, Daddy, God will provide. God will provide. Poor girl. God will provide. But at the time it became my turn. He had passed away. And then my boss at the Attorney General's Department, she called me and she said, Adelaide, let me give you a piece of advice. Men change. If you take your whole life and you give it to a man that you are going to follow him into ministry or whatever you are doing, let me tell you something. Your God may not change, but men, they change. <laughs> And she said, when men change, they change when they have become successful. She said, look around, you can see the example, and they maltreat you. So if you give all your education, your father has paid for you, looked after you, look at the nice family you come from, you are going to follow a man. So I went into my closet and I said, Lord, they say I'm going to follow a man. What should I do about this call? And the Lord said, you are not following a man. You are following the man who is Jesus Christ. And remember Jeremiah 29, 11, that I, I say that I know the plans I have for you. If you are going to follow a mortal man, yes, you may have causes to be worried. But if you are following Jesus, even what turns out wrong, I'm able to turn it over and make it work out for your good. So I said, Wow. Okay, what about my clothes that I wear? Are they going to say that they are from the offering? <laughs> I said, Lord, you know, my father has taken me to many countries before I even came into this church. By the grace of God, I don't even know what poverty is or hardship. When I was in high school, when they write the names, these people have not paid their fees. I always used to pray that my name would be on it so that I would be sent home. <laughs> because I thought that what was happening to them was very nice. Now as I've grown up, I'm to be pitied. I used to look at this and say, every day this girl, they write her name that she owes. So she should go home. But me, my father pays three, three times in advance. So when I go and say, your father has paid. It's just your stationery and things that have to come. And he's even given a post-dated check for it. I'll be very bored. My father. But when I needed to come into the ministry, I said, God, you know my family background. You know where I'm coming from. Only to wear a dress for these people to tell me that what? And just as I was in the middle of it, God said, hey, you are full of pride. Me? The Lord said, you. Yes, you. Pride how? Say, I'm from here. My father is this. I have this. I've done this. It's all pride. And unless you give up that pride, you can't obey me. I was very surprised because I thought I was one of the humblest souls on earth. Like Sister Grace was saying, so simple. Hey. 
That's why God is the only judge. So I came to God in repentance. And I said, God, you know, your word says that you made yourself of no reputation. You don't have any. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what people think. The most important thing is to please you. And I'm here today by the grace of God. So God calls fearful people. I was afraid of the future. What if the ministry was not able to take care of us? What if we were not able to look after our children or to educate them? What if I followed and then things didn't work out? What will happen? All these fears come to us. And because of that, God has very few laborers. We don't respond to his call. The reason why we are busy looking for money, looking for this, to create security for ourselves. Because we have not learned to find our security in God. But God will bring you to that place where your security is only him. When he introduces recession, what will you do? Recession, redundancy. Then Christians are reacting the same way that the world is reacting. But we have a security that we must hold on to. Hallelujah. Fear will not make you obey God. Fear that if I stand here, they will talk about me. If I share the word of God with them, they will laugh at me. If I do this, they will say that I'm too something. If I serve the pastor, people will have ideas. If I do this, this will happen. So, so many fears. And fear is something that cripples us. And in the end, we never do what God wants us to do. Amen. God calls people who are in difficult circumstances. Amen. God calls people who are in difficult circumstances. Judges chapter 6 verse 13. God calls people who are in difficult circumstances. Amen. And Gideon said unto him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Amen. Many of us are looking for a supernatural sign that God is with us. And many times or oftentimes, there may be contrary situations in our lives. Many women don't obey God's call because of the circumstances they find themselves in. Some of us don't obey God's call because we are in difficult marriages. So your whole prayer topic is your marriage. It's the only prayer topic you have. God, change him. God, change him. God, move. God, move to the right. God, move to the left. And the person is getting worse. If the Lord be with us, why have all these problems come our way? Where are all the miracles that we hear being spoken about? And yet, in the midst of the difficulties, when Gideon felt that no miracles were happening, he wasn't seeing God's hand. God was calling him. 
in the midst of his difficulties. Amen. Amen. Ladies, if you are waiting for your husband to change, before you respond to God's call, please, Jesus may come. It's not that he won't change, but it's time to move your focus to God instead of to a man. Amen. God has not called any man to fulfill all our dreams. There's no such person. If any man, a man can fulfill all your dreams, then God has become unnecessary. In the book of Esther, Esther was called by Mordecai, go and speak to the king. This and that and that. Then Esther said, these 30 days, the king has not called me. You live in the same house with him 30 days, you have not seen him. So what are you going to do? Your whole prayer meeting 30 days is this. Esther was the most beautiful, the most favored. They said the king loved her more than all the women. Her wedding was a public holiday. Instead of receiving gifts, they gave gifts to everybody. I mean, the type of wedding Esther has is not yours that you'll be counting. Bring your card, 50 only, and all these type of things. She didn't have all those limits. Amen? And yet, she came to a place that for 30 days, the king had not called her. If you are going to look at your difficult circumstances, you will never move on. But if you are going to trust him in the midst of difficult circumstances, you will be surprised the grace that you have to walk through certain fires and still come out as pure gold. You will be surprised. A lot of women don't obey God because they are waiting to be married. Who told you that being single is a disability? Who told you that being single means you are challenged? It doesn't mean that. The Bible says the fullness of the Godhead dwells in the Lord and we are complete in him. No man can bring you completion. Ask the married people. A man is going to make you feel complete in him. It's something you think. And it's something Satan uses. If I'm single, lady reverend, if God sends me a husband, I will save him. It's more difficult to serve God in the married state than to serve him in the single state. Ladies, I'm telling you, some of you who are single, tonight when you go to bed, nobody will wake you up. You are gone. But married people, sometimes they have to do night duty. Amen, married sisters. When you get home tonight, you can eat what you like. Throw your things about. You are okay. But some of us from here, you see, sometimes you people, you feel that your husbands will eat anointing when we get home. It's not so. So when you get home, you say, oh, I'm so tired. Oh, it was such a powerful convention. What are we eating? What is there? Say, hey, after such a spiritual move, how can we think about carnal things? Amen, ladies! Some of you tonight, you will decide that I can't go this far. I'll just spend the night with my friend. 
Your married neighbor cannot say that she's going to spend the night with her friend. Indeed. So being single should not keep you from obeying God. Rather, you will find fulfillment in answering to his call, in serving in his kingdom, and in pushing the kingdom of God forward. God calls us in difficult circumstances. God calls us in our childless state. So it's like we don't have children. It's heartbreaking. But God calls you anyway in the midst of it. Do you know why? When your mind is removed from the problem, you, are, you, you easily become more fertile. So it's God's way of doing you successful IVF. Amen. A lady in our church, she had been married so many years, no child. And every time she was doing IVF, she did it like six times. And then Bishop said to her, why don't you just adopt a baby? So I'm not emotionally ready, whatever. My husband said, you are ready. Take the child and then behave. So she took the child. And then later when I asked her, like two years later, she said, honestly, my mind has gone off this IVF procedure, whatever. I'm very relaxed. Do you know that some years after... The child, maybe the child was like five. She got pregnant. She was five years pregnant, uh, five months pregnant. She didn't know. Why? Because your mind is off. Your body is relaxed and your body can be more fertile. When you put yourself in God's work, your mind goes off a lot of unnecessary hassles. A lot of difficulties are diverted. And then your miracle can come through. <laughs> Hallelujah, ladies. God calls us. In difficult situations. Some of you, the reason why you are sitting here tonight is because Peter lied to you. If Peter had not lied to you and broken your heart, you would not be here. The circumstance may be difficult, but that's what God had to use to turn you around. You used to look down on us and say, charismatic churches, only desperate women go. Only Now you have joined the desperate housewives. Amen, ladies. God calls us in difficult situations. If you don't have the call of God, you can go mad. You can become mental. Because you don't have anything doing in the kingdom of God. But when you have a problem, and in spite of your problem, you go and you minister to somebody. And you see a life transformed. A marriage healed. Supernatural healing come to somebody. You yourself, you are the blessed one. So God's call is to keep us sane and out of mental hospital. Ladies. Amen. God calls us in seemingly difficult situations. I pray tonight that whatever place you find yourself that God is calling you to. The Lord will open your eyes to see. And you will find fulfillment in the things of God. The book of Ephesians 6 verse 8 says that what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. So as you are serving him, you are doing other things, God reaches out to you. Elizabeth and Zechariah, they were barren. But they still kept their priestly office. They still went whenever it was their turn to go and offer sacrifice to God. They didn't stop. And the Bible says they were blameless before God. 
Some people would have said, oh, they committed this and that's why they are childless. They did this, that's why. But they just continued. And it was in the course of their service that the angel came. The angel came to Zechariah's office. The angelic visitation you've been looking for will come when you stand in your office and in the place that God has called you to. I pray for you tonight that whether you have been a failure, whether you think that you are not eloquent, whether you think that you don't have what it takes, whether it's your past that's crippling you, whether it's difficult circumstances, I pray, O daughter of Zion, that you will rise up out of the ashes and become everything that God wants you to become. Stand to your feet, please. Hallelujah. I just want you to talk to God. I just want you to talk to God. We don't call ourselves. He calls us. You see, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I ordained you that you should go and bear much fruit. Talk to him personally. Forget about who is on your left, who is on your right. Talk to God. And say, Lord, it's true. I may be in difficult circumstances. I may not even be eloquent. I don't know. I just feel shy. I don't know even where you have called me to. But Lord, I just want to start to serve. I want to just start to obey. And I believe that your call on my life will come to pass. Thank you, Jesus. Talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to him. He's here. He's listening. He's listening. Talk to him. At the voice of Jesus crying, who will go and work today? Fields are white and harvest waiting, who will bear the sheaves away? Loud and strong, the master calleth, rich rewards, he offers freely, who will answer gladly? Lady Reverend, I've heard God's call tonight. I've put it away sometimes. I've minimized it. I've not prioritized God's call and his giftings on my life. But tonight, I want to make a recommitment to God. I want to start all over again. I want to go back to my passion and my drive for the things of God. You are here like that tonight. Just put up your hand wherever you are standing and I'll pray for you. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Just put up your hand. You want the Lord to stir up your passion. You want to answer his call, whether it's in lay ministry, full-time ministry, or in any aspect. You want your service to go up to him. Just lift up your hands and I'll pray with you wherever you are. Father, thank you for the hands that are lifted up. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch your people. 
I pray that you will stir up our hearts, cause us to return to our first love, cause us to be zealous about the things of God, cause us to be passionate about the things that you have called us to, Lord, and deliver us from the deceptions of this life and help us to start all over again. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your finished work. You're here tonight. You don't know Jesus as your Savior. Before I take my seat, I want to offer you salvation. I want to offer you life in Christ. You don't know Jesus. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I don't know whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die, but I want to be sure tonight. You are here like that tonight. Just lift up your hands high above your shoulder, and I'll pray for you wherever you are. You want to give your life to Christ. Or you want to say, Lady Reverend, I've backslidden. I want to rededicate my life to Christ. You are here like that tonight. Just lift up your hands and I'll pray for you. Father, thank you for your word that has come. I pray that you will continue to work mightily with your word in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Sit down, please. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.